Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster, celebrating our bravery in all of it. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Today, we are having on Paul Selig, y'all. It's my fourth time interviewing him, and I'm so stoked. Him and Eric Gatsi are the only guests that I've had on this many times. Ugh, and with Paul, it's like it gets better every single time. And if you haven't listened to the previous ones, I highly, highly suggest you check those out. Paul was one of my first guests on this podcast, Untamed and Unashamed. And that episode was a bit different than you might find of any other Paul Selig episode or interview because it wasn't so much about the guides and the channels, but it was more about Paul's tips and advice for other intuitives. And it was extremely helpful for me. Also, if you've listened to my other Paul Selig interviews, you know that out of all of my episodes, these are probably the most vulnerable because I ask him very, um, at the end of every episode, I'll ask him very vulnerable questions about my own personal life. And I am fully available for whatever he wants to say, even if um, it's you know, hard to hear. And I don't edit out anything. I, I keep it all in for you guys, hoping that it will not only make you feel less alone, but that it will be medicine for you and truth for you as well. He is an award-winning author of eight channeled books, a man who many consider is a radio, one attuned to frequencies that are in consonance with the divine. A spiritual awakening in 1987 left the young NYU instructor with the ability to see the auric field around people. He also became clairaudient, which is hearing the voice of his guides who are always with him, offering spiritual truths. The guides speak in a flow of channeled information, sharing deep teachings for spiritual evolution that align with inner knowing as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. Described as a medium for the living, he has unique abilities to step into and become the people his clients ask about. It has been really cool to watch him become my children and actually have their mannerisms and act like them, y'all. He often takes on their personalities and physical characteristics of the people that he is channeling as he hears them telepathically. His work is widely featured in a variety of media, including ABC, News Nightline, Fox News, The Biography Channel, Series The Unexplained, Guyam's TV, Beyond Belief, and the documentary film PGS, Your Personal Guidance System. For me, he is the voice that helps us remember to step in to the upper room. He truly is dialed into the highest vibration to bring forth the most pragmatic spiritual truths. I'll share one of his channeled messages. What you deny God in, you align to in fear. Now, to deny God in something is simply to decide that the idea of God or the presence of God or the tone, which is indeed God, cannot exist somewhere. And by your decree or your coherence with that claim, you shut yourself off from the divine. What you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. What you deny the divine in claims you in that darkness, or at least the shadow of it. And we'll be diving into all of this today. Please help me welcome Paul Selig to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi, nice to see you. You too. This is my fourth time with you and I just feel uh, so honored. So thank you. happy to yeah. be here. The fourth, the fourth book that we've we've discussed. And this last one, um, Resurrection. Um, I'm curious, maybe if you can just share with us what your guides mean by that title. I think that what they mean is that there's an aspect within all of us, which they call the divine self or the true self or the monad that seeks to be renown, resurrected through us and as us. This is the truth of who we are. And we mistakenly believe the truth of who we are to be the personality. Nothing wrong with the personality, but they say who we are is far greater. 
So the process of, of resurrection is really what they speak to in this mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know they in the book it's mentioned, behold, I make all things new quite uh-huh. a few times. Is that about it? That's pretty much the same meaning. Behold, I make things new, they say, is a claim of truth that's made from the true self, that aspect of the self that knows all things. So they say that there's a part in all of us that always knows who it is and isn't moored to fear and Mm -hmm. is attached to outcome in the way that we tend to be, you know, in our daily lives. The claim, behold, I make all things new, they say, is the claim of the true self upon what it experiences, because they say, when you've aligned at that level of vibration, you're able to lift what you encounter to you through co-resonance. It's not really Mm. lying, it's through being. Mm -hmm. The claim, behold, I make all things new, is the rearticulation of matter. That's how they explain it that all things they say are of source or God or whatever you want to call it, but we've denied it. You know, we don't know that, you know, we don't operate that way, but this aspect of us that does is able to claim this reality into, into form, into a higher way of experiencing ourselves, each other in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned resonance. Um, I know in the book, it's, it's the first of the manifestation trilogy and it's the book says that, to tell the divine what it should appear as is the egoic act of sorcery. Sorcery as a lower form of manifestation. Mm-hmm. You say, give me what I want when yeah. I say I should have it. So yeah. is the higher form of manifestation basically alignment with yeah. what we want to call in? Yeah. That's what I hear. I mean, it's reception. You know, they say we're so busy trying to to get what we want that we forget that there's source that actually knows what we need. So it's this idea of moving to a level of alignment where you move into receptivity, where your needs are actually met, where you're not saying, I want this, I need that, I want this. Because most of what we decide we should have is based in some catalog born of cultural heritage. This is what it means to be successful or to be, you know, wealthy or to have a career, all these things we think we're supposed to get. Mm -hmm. And we end up replicating all of these things that we think we should be or should have when they don't necessarily have a basis in who and what we truly are. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with all those things. You can have a career, you can have whatever you need, you know. But they say when you move to source, you know, you become receptive to source. And you're claiming that by nature of presence and being. You're not trying to tell source what you needed every minute because it knows. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that really, you you talk about fear in all of the books, but in this book, it talks about something that really stood out to me was that fear eats all things to grow as cancer. And when you realize the ignorance of fear, it becomes your greatest ally. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you always talk about how fear doesn't exist in the upper room. Yeah. I'm curious if you can maybe tell us how we are able, like, how do you, what is the process of actually lifting something to the upper room? And mm-hmm. also, I feel like, are we ever fully free of fear? You know? No, that I am, but they say this aspect of us that knows who it is, they call it the true self, is free of fear, mm-hmm. is free of time and space, mm-hmm. you know, isn't detached. Mm. So all of the teachings are about the true self and manifestation while maintaining form, you know, mm-hmm. while being in a body. So the guides have said for a long, long time that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And every choice we make in fear gets us more of the same. And what they said in this book, which you which you quoted, which I found really interesting, is that they said fear isn't wise. Fear replicates itself at its own level. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of lifting to the upper room is really, I think it's a process of, of resonant change. It's the consciousness and the energetic field being altered and lifted. The guides do this in their teachings through what they call, um, you know, uh, claims of truth, um, what's the other word they use? Attunement is mm-hmm. the word they always use. And there are a series of attunements, um, and the, the attunements are 
spoken language that are encoded with vibration, which is why you can feel it. Most people feel these things when they work with them, when the guides do groups online or in person, the whole room is feeling the uplifting of vibration. So, you know, there's the first attunement, which they call to the word, which is its own thing. And then the claims on top of it, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. Now, the guides say that the true self knows who it is. It knows what it is in the form. It's come as, as you. Mm -hmm. And how it serves, they say, is how it most fully expresses is who and what you are. It's the divine expression that is how we serve. What we end up doing for a living may be an expression of that, but I don't think that's the point of the attunement. The attunement, I am free, I am free, I am free, they say is the release. So it's getting, it's moving past that fake ceiling of separation that we've been utilizing here in this sort of shared reality that we know. And after that is the claim, I am in the upper room. It's a really simple claim, but the aspect of self that they say is always there. You're not inventing the upper room. You're not trying to find a map to it. There's an aspect of you and of me that is always there. And that's what we're aligning to at that level. As we align at that level, we're in a process of releasing the obstacles or the obstructions that stop us from knowing this. And they're saying knowing and realizing are the same thing, stopping us from realizing who we are and who everybody else is, you know, beyond the masquerade of, of personality. Yeah. So the books are really about how to get there and maintain it. Mm -hmm. I understand it. I'm the channel for it. I always have to say this, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I don't want to be. I have other things to do. I'm a channel. I'm a radio. I sit in a chair. I close my eyes. I take dictation. All of these books are the unedited transcripts of these dictations. And the last at least five or six were done in front, all in front of audiences, either mm -hmm. online or public. So I've had to learn how to interpret the teachings a bit when I speak to someone like you who's asking about them, but I'm not the guides. You know, this is yeah. their, their teaching. Mm -hmm. So they say it's possible, and not only is possible, it's our inheritance. It's our true inheritance. See, they say that we're operating in an octave. This reality, I guess you could call it dimension, but they never do. This reality, they say, is an octave. And an octave is comprised of notes and tone. And they say any song can be sung in a higher octave. And what they're doing, if I understand them correctly, is transposing our vibration, the music that we are, the tonality that we are, and the world that we experience, because that's in co-resonance with us. We're always seeing the world we expect, is what they say. They're lifting us to the next octave up, which is mm -hmm. just the upper room. That's all. Mm -hmm. so begin to have this other experience but they do say fear does not express in the upper room it's just not present there you yeah. can have it you gotta go back downstairs for it yeah um this might be a weird question i have a friend that uh, did a shamanic school and they use your teachings regularly and um they they t teach that like the upper room is basically here like behind our third eye kind of is that accurate or i mean it might work for them but I've never heard that before. No, yeah. okay. I've never, they've never talked about it as in the body, the monad, which is the true self. I, I, I experience as the heart center. Mm -hmm. And then it's flame, it's light broadcast through the entire being. Mm. So that's not a teaching that I've heard from the guides. I'm not okay. going to discount it. It's nothing that's ever been taught by them. Yeah, I have another um, kind of odd question. So I attended um, a mushroom ceremony where the person um, kind of holding space and opening up prayer to set up the container, read your prayer that you just said, um, I am free, I'm free. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this on last week's episode with the solo cast. I've had an extraction of this by a shaman, but at that ceremony, there was like this parasitic, like entity energy that just hearing your prayer, it was like, I wanted to flee the room. And the extraction that happened with the um, 
with the shaman, you know, he said like, what is the emotional tie to this entity? And my mouth said fear. And I noticed Mm -hmm. like, holy hell, my whole body. I didn't think I was a fearful person. I think I'm quite brave. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm here doing medicine, you know, but my whole body, I realize I fear everything. And I realize that all the, all the cleanses, all the detoxes, all the coffee enemas could not get rid of this energy because it was thriving and feeding off just my fear. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, you know, cause you do talk about, um, God is all, yeah. and this thing seemed to want to run from that. Yeah. Um, and it felt too, like when it felt present in my house, it felt, um, so I don't want to use the word dark, but it just felt, you know, but I know it's also the same thing, but I haven't, I think I haven't grasp it enough to embody it, to explain it to someone. So I'm curious. Yeah. Your thoughts. I don't think that I can answer this. I mean, I do know though, that like when you, when you lift a rock, you know, and you, you know, and all the creepy crawlies are exposed to the sun, they scamper back into the dark mm. things that were raised in darkness, aspects of us that were, I think, traumatized, mm. you know, that know themselves in darkness that's the claim that they make. That's how they know themselves. And they, that's what they seek to perpetuate. And the guides say in this work, everything that's been held in shadow needs to be brought forth. You know, I don't think this is a teaching at all of what people now call spiritual bypassing because you have to deal with your crap. Yeah. The guides have said, you know, if you got a body in your basement, buried in your basement, it's eventually going to stink up the whole house. Mm. So we have to deal with it. So, When, you know, the guides are funny and they say, you know, we don't bring people too quickly to the light because they can't handle it. They're going to want to run from it. Mm. But I do believe that there are aspects of us that are, you know, I don't call them parasites so much, but I mean, they're creations. That's what the guides call them, creations, Mm -hmm. often created in trauma or fear, things that we can pick up in our journeying, you know, that, you know, are in lower vibration and they get addressed as you lift, as you lift in vibration, you encounter these things, you know, it's years and years and years ago, I had my old therapist, Harriet, I don't know why I always quote this woman. She's been dead a long time. And I saw her when I was like in my late twenties, loved her dearly. But she said, everybody be right before they have a breakthrough. Everybody tries to drop out of therapy. Right before they're going to break through, they want to drop out. I think it's kind of the same thing. The crap is up. I don't want to look at it. And, you know, but it's up to be seen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I may have told you this, but, you know, I've been sober for for almost 36 years now. It's a long time. So I haven't, you know, plant medicines just not has not been part of my journey only because that's how I, I developed psychically through a kind of abstinence when I quit smoking is when the book started coming through. So it's not that I have anything to say pro or con because I truly don't. It's just Mm -hmm. not been my path. So I can't speak to that. But I think that the attunements, and I've heard this from a lot of people at this point, a lot of them, that the work that the guides do and the energetics of it are quite like people's experience with medicine. Yeah. You know, it happens. I hear it all the time. People show up in my workshops and said, this is just like I had. This is like what happened to me in Peru. But they're they're experiencing it as consciousness and through the energetic bodies, which is terrific. Happy yeah. for it. Yeah, that's so true. The workshop in person that I went to of yours, uh, you had to stare into a partner's eyes and say, mm-hmm. I have come, I have come, you have come, you know, you are free. And um, when I was speaking to him, I could see all the different, like his face was transforming in front of me. It was like I was on plant medicine. So, um, so you talked in the book, um, you and or the guys talked about hierarchy and teachers as gateways to the divine. And, you know, what it brought up for me, it, it's hard for me to believe that Jesus was hierarchical and mm-hmm. said, no one gets to the father except through me. Yeah. I don't know for sure that he said that, but it's in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. And I also don't know that we're interpreting it in the way that he meant it, but I'd love to hear your interpretation. I have my interpretation. I mean, you know, I was raised sort of an atheist. You know, I've got a, a painting of Jesus from an old convent on my back wall, but I also me have too. a Hanuman, which you can't see on my desk. And, you know, there's a boot over there. So I'm quite inclusive. But my understanding of that quote was that Jesus was speaking as the Christ, 
not as the guy Jesus, but as the manifestation of the Christ, which is another word for monad. So, and I think that while I think there's truth in that statement, Mm -hmm. but I think the mistake has been to think of the guy as the gateway and not what he came to bring, which was the Christ or the level of consciousness that you can call Christ consciousness. So I think any, any, it's very interesting to me that so much of stuff has become exclusionary, which is so opposite to everything that my guides have ever talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know, and I do believe that there are many different paths up the mountain. I really do. And I can't say one is better than the other. My experience, such as it is, and it's not a perfect experience, I'm not ascended, I don't pretend to be, is that there's this flame in the heart, which is why I got that painting, this burning flame in the heart. And when I've been able to experience that thing, it's unlike anything else I've ever experienced. I I knew it when I first experienced it, which was in my late 20s, as my connection to source. Yeah. And now I understand it as that aspect that seeks to be resurrected through us. It's the God within. That's all. So I think that the true teaching might be nobody comes to God except through the God within in mm-hmm. whatever form that takes. Do you understand? Yeah. I don't know that it's all about a practice. I mean, any pra- many practices will bring you to different levels of consciousness in different doorways. Mm-hmm. So I'm not thrown by that phrase anymore although in my youth I think I used to be when I was like well what does this mean I must mean must mean I'm doing it wrong Mm -hmm. and I no longer feel that I think that you know the guides are saying that they're teaching that level of of alignment that that was being spoken about there so and I I have to trust them here as best I can yeah so what I'm hearing is that like what what he was speaking of is the Christ consciousness that is in with, within all of us. Yeah. 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 Or the, or the, the inner light or the inner Christ or the, or the God within, which is another term for the Christ. Yeah. My, the definition my guides use for the Christ and have since the very first book, they said the Christ is the aspect of the creator that seeks to be realized as and through each of us. Hmm. It's not something out there. It's something in here. It's the seed of God within. And that's the entry point. That's the doorway. Mm, So beautiful. So resonant. So I know I'm quoting the book a lot, but the book and the guides also taught that what you deny the divine in becomes your anchors to the lower realm. To redeem something is to know it as God. So to see the woman on the side of the road as holy is to know her as the redeemer. And what came up for me reading that was, that, you know, cause I get so triggered. I have, um, um, religious wounding I'm working through this year, but I get so triggered by the word renounce. And when mm-hmm. you talked about redeemer, I, I felt I'm a redeemer. I'm not a renouncer. I'm a tantrika. I find holiness in all, but I'm so triggered by this word renounce. So I know there's still some sort of split in me, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how a lot of religions do teach renunciation of things. I don't know, because I don't know that the guides have really talked about renunciation. And Mm -hmm. I'm not a religious scholar. You know, I had a year in parochial school and I think half of fifth grade, half of sixth grade, then I got yanked out. And I was only there because it was a cheap school. My mother said, you can go there. It's cheap. Mm -hmm. And they're going to teach you math, which I didn't want to take. So I don't know this stuff. I think to renounce something, when I quit drinking and drugging, and I, I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, that was a day at a time for me. That's how I did that. That was important. It wasn't, it wasn't on the shelf of options for me yeah. anymore. And I still kind of live that way. It could change. Who knows what can happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a four pack a day cigarette smoker for much of my adult life. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And when it stopped, I didn't, I must say I renounced smoking cigarettes as if I made that evil. It's not about that. It just wasn't healthy for me. It was killing me. And for me to say no, allowed me to say yes to something other. Mm -hmm. Now the guides put it this way. They say who you put in darkness or what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a cigarette. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a glass of wine, you know, or a drunk. I really don't. It's just not for me now. Do you understand that? 
And if I want to damn something, they say, what you damn damns your back. If I want to make it evil, I've aligned to it at that level. Mm-hmm. So the teacher, let me ask them about renunciation if they want to say anything, because I'm just talking now and I don't know what I'm talking about. So when I do this, you know, I whisper and repeat. And I didn't have a lot of sleep last night on, on my fourth cup of coffee that's this Aww. big. See if anything comes. Um, they're saying the idea of renunciation is confused. Paul, you see it. So they're saying, Paul, you see it as refusal. It is actually something other. It is actually something other. It's releasing. It is releasing to announce something. So is it to announce something is to release it. But most level, move to the level where it truly does not, where it truly does not exist. If you're banning something, if you're banning something, this can never be so. This can never be so. You've actually claimed that you've actually claimed it or tying to and are tying to it in a lower field when you lift higher. When you lift to the high, you move beyond the old, you move beyond the old. It's, you can say it's renounced. You can say it's renounced, but in fact, it's been released. But in fact, it has simply been released, period. And they're saying, period. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Mm. I'm curious when it comes to all of that, you know, denying God in something or redeeming something, your thoughts on, um, and I know you touched on this a bit in the book, but I'd love to just hear a little bit further, your thoughts on like locking murderers in jail. Cause it's like, you have the thought of like, it's how we keep people safe. Yeah. Well, I think unless, unless we're working with some system of rehabilitation, we're just warehousing people. And, you know, that's, I don't think it may help the community feel safer. And I do think that if somebody is really harmful to the community, you have to deal with that in some fashion. But I, my guides have talked a fair amount in their books around, and I'm just, again, this is me talking now. Those were my thoughts around this. They've talked about the failure of prison systems in a couple of their books at this point. Yeah. And that the need for redemption is key. Mm-hmm. But they also talk about the divine self as redeemer. So it's a really simple teaching. It's so simple, it's frustrating. And it's not easy at all, you mm-hmm. know. But the mo- the guides say, you know, the moment you deny the divine in another, you've denied it in yourself. Mm-hmm. So simple. Yeah. You know, what you damn damns you back. Who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. Now, putting somebody in a place for their own protection may be necessary in certain circumstances. I suppose putting somebody in a place where they can't harm others is also something that is necessary. Mm-hmm. The guides I work with have said, you know, we all want vindication, which is low level. That doesn't get us anywhere. We're still mm-hmm. a culture that likes to hang the horse thief in the town square and everybody will gather around and watch the evil be eradicated from the town. And they say it's never once worked. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just it's perform, it's performative. It's our need for for justice and bloodlust. And I think we're tra- entrenched in it. And it's a mess and it's, you know, gets us finally nowhere. Yeah. So they teach redemption and they do say, and they have said, and I know people will disagree, but they said the potential for redemption exists in everybody, but you have to align to them beyond the acts done. You're not denying what they did, but you align to the truth of them. It's kind of up there with, you know, you condemn the sin, not the sinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. You still see the human being and you claim the inherent divinity that must be there because it has to be there. You're not trying to pretend she's holy. The guides have said all is holy or nothing is. Mm. And that doesn't mean that people aren't acting in fear and doing things that are just despicable because they are. Yeah. And we know it. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's a creation of fear. The guides say that's all fear. That's all the enactment of fear. Yeah. War is the enactment of fear and greed and a lot of other things, but it's all fear-based. Yeah. Man, this is really my work right now. And I'm, I'm really trying to sit with this because, you know, coming from such a religious background, my, my access to God, my worship, everything was dictated and, um, everything was also demonic, you know, it was like, so black and white and not everything was holy. And when I left that, 
um, I'm my religious wounding has really come up in the last year. And I've noticed that I have so much against religion and the church. And I'm just basically doing the same thing to them. I'm, ma- I'm yeah. making them not holy, you know? I think, I mean, the guys have, the guys have talked about religion and they say any religion or any teacher, spiritual teacher says, you know, my way or the highway go in the other direction, you know, mm-hmm. because that's about control. But the guides have said there's great beauty and truth at the basis of all religion. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you know, but, but what's happened to them has been sort of built on top of them through corruption, the need to control, hierarchy, you know, politics, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the seed of truth, I think, is there and can be beautiful and can be yeah. a great gateway. I sometimes think I was fortunate, you know, my mother... I didn't know this till a few years ago when she told the story to my old babysitter who sort of interviewed her in front of me. It was an amazing conversation. My mother's still living. She's very, very old. But my mother was basically raped by her minister when she was 18. She was after the people that were caring for her died. She was sent to live there. She said, on my 18th birthday, he came into my room. No religion there. My father was a German Jew and was, God, it was sent to, England during the kinder transport, you know, and a large percentage of his family, not his immediate family, but everybody else was, was exterminated. Mm-hmm. No religion there. None. Both of them. I grew up and he died when I was very young, but I grew up with nada except to believe that religious, you know, religion was probably for stupid people. You know, we, we didn't believe in that. It was for them over there. But what I do think was that there was a craving and our longing mm-hmm. for something that I couldn't even articulate. I didn't know what it was, Yeah, you know, and there's an old quote, I don't know whose it is, you know, thou has made us for thyself, you know, God has made us for itself and our hearts won't find rest. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing until they reside in, in thee, something like that. And I get that kind of, because I think I had that, but I didn't know it, you know, I didn't know it. So I didn't come with that baggage. I came with other baggage. I yeah. came with the baggage of, you know, watching half the people I knew die of AIDS when I was, you know, just, just getting out of graduate school, you know, yeah. everybody was just dropping dead and months around me and it was a a, a frightening and and crazy 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 time yeah so i've had my own lessons and continue to truthfully i'm not done yet by a long shot i got more baggage to address i have to face it when it comes up because you sort of get to a point where you don't have the option of ignoring it Mm -hmm. i don't get to do what i used to do which was just go eat two pizzas or you know drink a bottle of booze. I don't do those things anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all part of part of the passage. And I commend you for sort of facing these things and moving beyond them because it does take courage. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you know, my way is the only way type um, thinking. And it's like, I'm doing that to them for doing that. And, and I'm just condemning them for condemning people. And I have not found, I'm trying to like pinpoint, like, what is it that I need to look at to transform this in me? And I think I get there. And then it's like, I get triggered by someone's Christian article. I hear you get angry at injustice. Mm. That's what's happening. You're angry at the injustice and you want to point fingers. I hear it at hypocrites and hypocrisy. Yeah. And that's what frustrates you. I do hear, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with calling something out. I just think we have to look at our motives. Yeah. I think when the, if the motive is to harm, we're operating a low level. If the motive is revenge, we're operating at a low level. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I once did a workshop. It was really funny. It was in Sedona. And all this whole row of people showed up and they all looked like it was like a biker gang showed up. <laughs> the guys and the girls and the leather and the whole thing, you know, and the big hair. They were all ex-Mormons. The whole bunch of them showed up. They like biked over from, you know, Utah or something. They were terrific. Yeah. They were on their path and they were celebrating, you know, their, their discoveries. So, you know, I think we're meant to grow. 
you know. And I also think that there can be enormous beauty yeah. in a tradition, whatever it is, be mm-hmm. it Christianity or Buddhism, enormous beauty in, in the purity of the teachings. Mm-hmm. I think what attaches to them may not be so great sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, which is commerce and and you know and 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 the need to teach in fear yeah because mm-hmm. teaching in fear i think just makes people sick yeah That's all. yeah yeah it's no secret that shame free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being and accessible expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials, and smart design principles. And they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more, including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelled A-E-R. It's called air. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris. So you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products. So I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code Jade today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. I'm curious with your prayer. I mean, me and my kids say it every morning and I, I feel like I go through different interpretations of word. I am word, but what is the actual interpretation of that word? I am word. Well, the word I am word is a, is how an attunement closes. Mm, okay. um, the initial attunement, which they delivered through me when I was first doing a group in my apartment, when I was maybe 32, 33 years old, which is a while ago now. Was they, they, they call the word the energy of the creator in action. That's their definition. The first book was called I Am the Word, and that was dictated in 2009, published 2010. I am word through my body, word, I am word. I am word through my vibration, word, I am word. I am word through my knowing of myself as word, word, I am word. You're claiming your body, your energetic field, and your identity in and as that tone. The guides have since called the word the one-note sun. They say everything that we can see or imagine is a manifestation of the one-note sun, which they call the word sometimes, which is source. Mm -hmm. So when you say word, I am word, you're claiming the action of the divine, I believe, and and the presence of the self that is that. Mm. Understand? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. So in the book, you talk about how if you, uh, you can no longer confirm a reality that you are moving beyond. Can you break that down a little bit? You can no longer confirm a reality that you're moving beyond. I don't know. I don't know the context of the sentence. I can assume Mm -hmm. what they may have meant there, Mm -hmm. but they could have meant it in a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can say I've outgrown this relationship. You know, I can use it at that level, but the guides, I think at this point have kind of a larger agenda for everything. Mm-hmm. And they talk about reality as uh, the template of reality that we've known, which is what we expect to be based in the history that we've been taught and our personal histories. 
Mm-hmm. And they say that the, the small self, which is the personality self, knows itself through history. Mm-hmm. And the best that it can do is replicate history. Mm-hmm. My mother said I was a piece of crap, so I'm a piece of crap until I change my mind in some other way, yeah. which is hard, you know. Mm-hmm. So the process of transformation is what this is really about. Mm-hmm. Now, they say that the true self operates in a higher octave of expression mm-hmm. and consequently calls to itself that which is of light vibration. That's how they say a world is made new, through the consciousness that doesn't confirm the old. Mm-hmm. And it's a, so when they talk about outgrowing something or something can't exist at the new level, so if, my, if the basis for my life was there can be no such thing as God, because that really was, mm-hmm. once that begins to shift, reality begins to shift in confirmation of the new. Mm-hmm. I have no way around it. They're actually talking about something much larger than an idea, which is physical reality. Mm-hmm. They say, for example, that we've had war for so long that we just expect war, you know, and we're all, and we, and we call it back again and again and again, because it's always been there and we can't imagine being without it. Yeah. If we can't imagine being without it. We're going to keep getting it. The bad news being that we now have the ability in war to destroy everything. And the guys say, well, I don't think we're going to do this because humanity has chosen to move to something higher, which is the process that they say. Mm-hmm now engaging in but this is the key and why i was bringing this up they say until you humanity aligns to a level of consciousness where war is not a possibility mm-hmm. and you could say it's been renounced or it's just not a possibility it's just not it's not on the menu mm-hmm. and of what gets ordered until we do that we'll have it but i understand that they're bringing us to that level of consciousness where the they call it the idiocy of war yeah. will be will be claimed we'll stop killing each other over property and borders and yeah do you oil. think that that's what's about to happen like a lot of people are preparing for a huge um uh i don't know what word to use but like shit's gonna hit the fan in all areas you know yeah i think i think it is but i don't know what that looks like and i don't know that it's necessarily apocalyptic. I think people that want to dine out on that stuff and fear can have a field day with all this if they want to. So I don't, I'm not getting that, but I have been hearing for since the beginning that humanity is at a time of reckoning and a reckoning is a facing of the self and all of one's creations. And in the last number of books, a lot of them, maybe beginning especially with Book of Truth, they began talking about the collapse of structure, mm-hmm. you know, economic structure, government, religious, all the structures, yeah. you know, and, but, you know, the collapse doesn't mean that they're eradicated. The, the image, they just used this last week in a live stream, and I think they probably used it before. They say, you know, when a seed is uh, trying to, to sprout, mm-hmm. it moves the earth around it. When the new seeks to be born, the old is moved. Yeah. And I have to see this as productive and potential. It's not, the guides don't appear. But I got to say, they've been pretty accurate, you know. Yeah. Um, You know, they they said a few years, it was very funny. I I mean, I don't know. I don't remember it. And supposedly I did this in a radio broadcast with somebody (laughs) the show somebody said well what terrible things are going to happen and i said i don't do that under the front of the guides told them and whatever it was happened i was like oh crap oh wow it wasn't awful but they said to me and it was like in a broadcast they said something like and this was probably 2000 assuming it was 2019 2020 they said basically the shit's about to hit the fan and new york is going to be strongly affected and i went Please just let me be someplace. Let me be out of New York. <laughs> let me be out of New York and someplace beautiful. And I was actually in Costa Rica when New York shut down. Yeah. You know, because of COVID. And it was like, uh-huh. oh, what a relief. And I had said to them, listen, you know, I was in New York City in the 
blackouts. I was in New York City when I down living downtown when 9-11 happened. I said, I don't want another mess in New York. Just let me sit under some under a tree someplace pretty. Yeah. So I don't get that this is the end. I think that this is the beginning. Mm. And I also hear that it's a process of four generations. That's what they've said. Wow. This is four generations for the new to be born. And wow. that's positive. That's a that's not a long time. It's a yeah. positive thing. Wow. Thank you. So um, I'm curious because you said that you have Jesus in your home and you have Hanuman. And I, I feel like people, you know, when they're coming from their logical mind can see a picture of Jesus and be like, yeah, that guy existed. But you see like maybe Ganesh or Lakshmi with all the arms. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. It's the weirdest thing. I was getting a healing at, at Esalen. I was teaching at the Esalen Institute. This is about two, three or four years ago now. And I was lying on the table and I saw this giant monkey hovering down, basically, yeah. with these like amazing eyes. And I said to the practitioner, There's a, I'm, I'm seeing a giant monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see things like that. And the guy said, you know, I was actually chanting to Hanuman before I came yeah. here. And that's why I was late for the session. I was like, whoa. And I now live on Maui, you know, and my community has become the satsang that was, you know, around Ramdas, who I never met. Yeah. I came here after he was gone. Mm. But I was here on Maui for a few months and I was doing private clients still online, you know. So I, I wasn't traveling anywhere, certainly. And I had this guy on Zoom and I said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I'm on Maui. I'm, it's a terrible connection. I can't help. He said, well, I'm on Maui. And he was one of Ram Dass's caregivers. It was the wow. funniest thing. And then I ended up later, you know, having some of the people that used to care for him help me. I'm actually learning to drive still in my age. I actually have my test today. I don't think I'm going to make it, but I've been Aww. getting scooted around. And I've, you know, I'm so grateful. So I've been exposed to things I would never have been exposed to. Mm -hmm. And um, I just know that I saw that monkey looking down at me and I trust it. That was yeah. it's enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just so interesting because of like the form that they show up and people are like, that's not real, but their energy is so real and felt. Yeah. yeah well, so I, I always mean, wonder like, what are they? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I think. <laughs> The, the book, I've, I've since channeled an 11th book that was just finished about two weeks ago. That'll wow. be out this fall. And they do a whole long, long chapter about how screwed up our perceptions of God is. Wow. You know, and that wow. we're doing the best we can mm -hmm. with our ideas, but they're still just our ideas. It's too vast to be known and how it shows up. You know, I mean, maybe it's easier to choose a flying monkey, you know, that's just so far out that that's not going to tie us to what we think. Yeah. I really don't know. I'm not a theologian. Yeah. I, I, I someday might like to, to study, but I am not. Yeah. But, you know, the guides say, you know, you can't know the entirety of the ocean. It is too vast to be known. Mm -hmm. But every time you bathe in the ocean, you know the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that experience of knowing. And that's how they talk about source. Yeah. It's okay. just everything. Yeah. So if it's okay, I'd love to close out the show with two um, personal questions like I always do. And it, I'd love, I value your feedback as much as the guides. So I'd love if you have anything or if the guides come in, but um, I'll ask the quicker one first. If that, is it okay? I want to check in though, that that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I don't know what I'll get if I'm tuning into them and you can yeah. ask. Okay. So the first question that I think might be the quickest one is, um, it's odd for the last maybe five, six years, I've developed this fear, which feels like you're the perfect person to ask about, um, fear of like being alone in a house overnight by myself. Mm -hmm. And I have to have like a human or an animal. And I don't know if it's because sometimes I have psychic abilities and it's like the noises and the sounds. I'm also autistic. So the noises and sounds I'm so sensitive to. And it just, I get so fearful though. And I feel like I, I, um, I fear the outside that someone could break in. I fear the inside that there's like, something's going to show up mm -hmm. and it's new. It's only been here like that last half decade. And I can't stand it because I want to be in peace while I sleep and be able to stay alone. I'm a 37 year old woman, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I'll tune into you and see if I get anything on this. I don't know that the guides will have commentary. I don't. I live in the rainforest. I live in the jungle. So, you know, and I'm an ex-New Yorker. And it's, the fact that I'm not more frightened has surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. But let me tune into you. But I did get, you know, you know I, I did my security thing just to be safe. Let me tune into you. They're saying she doesn't know that she's safe when she's with herself. Mm. When she's busy, she doesn't have to think about it. When she's alone, she realizes what it means to be solitary. And you, I hear you feel defenseless against what could come, like could underline could. It's a potential. It's always a potential or a supposition or a supposition. And I hear you rely on it still to give you actions to keep you safe. So in some ways, you're utilizing it as you best can. So in some ways, you're utilizing it, the fear, I guess, as best you can. I hear the good news is you're going to outgrow it soon. It has no real merit. I do hear you have to make the choice so that you are safe with yourself. Mm. And that you're capable of defending as need be, as need be. And you do need to give yourself a sense of whatever is necessary in terms of precaution to give you a sense of security in your home. That's just practical. Thank you. Yeah. So good. Okay. So about three years ago, you channeled the man that I was seeing and you said, I'll never forget it. You said, he, this is the guy that brings home the milk. And he was, and he still is even through a breakup. He still brings home the milk. He is the sweetest guy um, and the safest and most stable guy and love I've ever experienced. But we have such a spiritual disconnect. Um, he's a Christian. He doesn't believe in channeling. He doesn't believe in any of the stuff that I feel mm-hmm. like is at the innermost part of my being. And I don't know that that gap can be bridged. And so we've started to consciously uncouple and I am starting to feel all this grief and heartbreak and regret and, and confusion and, and, um, doubt. And I'm just curious if maybe the guides can speak to if this is for our highest good, or if this gap can be bridged or, okay. yeah. What, my kids are also feeling like traumatized by it. So I just want to do what will cause everyone to thrive. I'm going to tune into you first. And when I do this, I'm not really channeling. I'm working psychically. Channeling is straight dictation. Mm-hmm. Ch- uh, psychic is when I work as a sentient or empath. And I step in and become the person that I hear. I'm going to go to you first. Sometimes then the guides come in and then that's channeling. Okay. You do. The first thing you say is, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. And there's a part of you also saying, I can't have this. Like, I can't do this well. Like, you don't really want this to happen. Can I have his, um, are you comfortable saying his whole name? Yeah, I'll bleep it out. Let me go to him. He's basically saying, I can't fix this. I'm not going to fix this. He also doesn't seem happy about this, but he's sort of saying, I can't fix myself for you. And he says, this is how I know myself in my world. He also seems to need the foundation of the church, the Christian church, to help him. That's important to him. And I hear there's nothing wrong with it. I hear as long as you both abide in acceptance of each other's choices. You might consider, I'll just mention this, you know, this is not an endorsement, but check out the unity churches, you know, um, they're great. You know, it's kind of a new thought with a a mooring in in that tradition. And the Centers for Conscious Living are great. Old spiritual teachers like Emmett Fox, Mm -hmm. terrific to read, you know, because they really find there's a bridge there. Mm -hmm. Let me go back to you. I mean, I kind of feel like if you let him have his way, would he leave? Probably yes, but I don't know for long. I don't know that that would be for long, to be honest with you. I don't know that you're done yet together. Um, Let me ask anything about the kids. I I actually kind of feel that the kids might need to be told that this isn't a quote-unquote breakup. It's just a different experience of the relationship. It's still mm-hmm. the relationship. It's just in a different way. Mm-hmm. You understand that? Yeah. I don't really feel this man disappearing for some reason. So that's what okay. I feel right now. But it feels like the, the relationship 
romantically is not done yet or? I don't know that rom- I wasn't even asking about romance. I was acting more about a partnership. Yeah. Um, the partnership's not going. I, I, I actually think that the partnership may be ongoing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear the challenges are real, but there are always ways to work with them. Um, you would both have to be on board. He's pretty clear, though, on what he needs. And I have to say, I'm not really feeling him judging your stuff. Oh. I don't think he gets it. I don't think he wants to get it. There's a bit of an eye roll. Mm-hmm. It's weird, a little frightening. And, but that's not what he cares about. I think what he really cares about is his own footing in what he has known, which is about it's about it's a value to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's a little hard to be involved with somebody when they think you might go to hell. Because <laughs> yeah. That's a little hard. And um, I hear just so you know, it's not going to happen. There's not a place such as that to go to, you know, so not to worry. Yeah, yeah. I I have a, um, a desire to for my work and this type of work to be celebrated and accepted um, so, so deeply. And then I also just like you said, I feel like almost like there's more work to do. And I, I don't know if that's just my grief, but... I think this is all about acceptance and love in this situation. And then whatever happens, happens. You can love somebody and not be living with them. Yeah. Not in that kind of relationship. It doesn't, doesn't change the love necessarily. It needn't. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. So there's a few short questions that I ask you every time that you come on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Thank you is what I actually get. Mm. I would say thank you. Before you said, don't be so afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I now say thank you because I think that kid survived it. Yeah. Yeah. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? I can't answer that. You always say that. <laughs> That's okay. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Know that you're worthy of love. Hmm. And before we let you go, where can people find you online? How can they sign up for your in-person workshops, all the things? My website is just my name. It's paulselig.com. And um, I do a monthly intensive online. I do weekly live streams. I do free events. um, And I do in-person retreats again. I'm back traveling. So I'll be, you know, coming up, I think, in Costa Rica, Big event on Maui. I think mm-hmm. I'll be in Austin. Yay. Um, Sedona, other places. So there's there's stuff, there's this calendar up there. Um, and we keep it pretty active. So that's the best place. And you can get the books there too, or even the books are from the audiobooks. You get them online at all the, the normal outlets. Yeah. I love the audio versions because I love to just hear it um, playing in the home. And so, so thankful you have that version. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you so much, Paul. You're very mm-hmm. welcome. I enjoyed it. Take good care. Me okay. too. Bye. All right, you guys. <sighs> Before I recorded this, I met with my mentor, my um, my guide, Mary Margrave, who is also a channel. She doesn't have any books, um, but I meet with her and she mentors me and, and she is able to connect to my guides and they speak. And so, man, doing that back to back, I feel like I'm never seen it before, but I would imagine it's like an episode of Star Trek, like in real life. I don't know. Felt really, um, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it. Just so much, um, so much information from, from, I guess that, that higher octave. And I, I thought about telling you guys about this little cool exercise, but I don't know if I'll be able to explain it without you guys being able to see me, but I wanted to tell you about something that he does at his workshop. So if you were to put your hands out in front of you, um, so your hands are not touching and they're facing your chest. So your hands are out facing your chest and then you'll cycle your hands towards you. So the hands are like going um, kind of like a wheel, one in front of the other. Okay. So they're like a wheel, one in front of the other, in front of the chest. And you'll say something, um, 
you can say, um, God is in all. And then you can say, God is in you. And just feel what your hands are doing, right? Nothing's really changed. And then say, God is only in me. And say, I decide what God is. Do you see how your hands, so isn't it like, I don't know if it happened to you, but so like when you say statements that are high vibrational, that are inclusive, that are, um, you know, uh, I guess egoless and just truth, their truth, your hands, at least in my case, and from what I've seen at his workshop, your, your hands, they tend to go a little fast. They're high up. They're not heavy. They're light. And then when you say things of low vibration that are not true, your hands go slow and they get heavy and they drop down lower. Let me know if that happened for you. Um, it's just crazy to me. Like you can feel the vibration. You can feel the um, energy of the words as you speak them through your hands. And I will say that, you know, like muscle testing, um, if there is someone who doesn't have, is, is used to lying to their body, Paul Check teaches this, used to lying to their body, doesn't have an honest relationship with their body, that exercise may not work, but that's, that's what I've been taught, but I've never seen it not work. So let me know, <laughs> let me know how that happened for you. All right. Um, and again, if you want to hear more of Paul's history and how he came to these gifts, check out my previous episode with him. It's at the very beginning. It's like in the first month that I started this podcast. I just love him so much, y'all. Like oh, him and Richard read both. I don't know. There's something about him that I just love. They're like, the, I don't know, the dream, the dream fathers. And <clears throat> Paul's spirit was really different. Like it's so different in each episode, I guess, dependent on, um, maybe the, the work that he's channeling at the time. But, um, yeah, it's always, I just always love sitting at his feet. <sighs> okay. So a couple of episodes ago, maybe like a month ago, I interviewed with Dominic Cortusio about emotional foreplay, which is basically how to get your man to open up to you emotionally. And I love the word foreplay because you basically um, use that as, okay, I need foreplay in order to open up sexually. This is how a man opens up emotionally. And that episode is my most downloaded episode of, of all time as of right now. He has a link in the show. It'll be in the show notes. So if you just swipe up on this um, podcast little image, you will see all the notes, all the show notes, all the links. There will be a link for his masterclass, emotional foreplay, how to get your man to open up. And his masterclass is normally $50. He's giving us half off to the listeners of the show. So $25 is unheard of for a masterclass and it's extremely valuable. Uh, and then Right under that, you'll see the link for Gene Keys. That is Richard Rudd's program. And that specific link will lead you to his Dream Arc program, which is how to use dreams for self-realization. But if you use that link to click on anything else on his site and you purchase anything, then this show will get a small cut and that will really support the show. And then the other affiliates, the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off a suction toy is uh, the suction toy is my favorite. It's the air A E R. I just talked about in last week's episode, how I lost the freaking charger, which I'm so upset about. And then I realized, wow, I, I haven't used the charger yet. And I've had this for like a year. That's how fast it works. It works so fast. It gets the job done so fast that it's been a year and I didn't have to charge it y'all. So, <laughs> cause the battery was barely used. So it's pretty amazing product. I like to use it. They have tons of products, but that's just my favorite one. I like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my Yoni egg. And those are tools that, um, they're basically, uh, so there's like a cervical wand for cervical orgasms and de-armoring the Yoni. And then there's Yoni eggs, the Jade egg, um, which is, oh my God, I'm, I'm trained in using the Jade egg and teaching Jade egg practices. Those are my two favorite tools. And, um, you know, they also have anal plugs and all of that stuff, but I teach clients with their camera off if they would like how to use those 
products and those um, tools. And then is in my upcoming women's program, uh, there will be homework assignments using them on your own time. I highly recommend them, y'all. I mean, uh, I mean, I need to do like a whole episode just talking about pleasure wands and yoni eggs, just a solo cast. But that, uh, let me know if you want me to do that because I'll do that if you guys request it. So those products are wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code Jade for a discount there. Like I said, I like to use those internally while um, in like doing my practice. And then at the end, I'll add on the clit sucker um, for full on pleasure. All right. And then all things infrared, higher dose, code Jade75 for $75 off there. Love the two women who started that program, uh, those products. And we, uh, I've had them on the show. They are lovely, lovely ladies and their products. I I don't know. I'm talking so weird. Like I'm from Canada all of a sudden their products are top notch. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. If someone came up for you, came into your mind while you were listening to this, it's likely that they could benefit from this episode. So send it to them. Please leave me a review. It means so much. And then you can join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.